Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Last year, The New Yorker released an article of some of the most commonly misheard song lyrics, and a few of them are pretty funny. Like, people mishear Starship's We Built This City, and they sing We Built This City on Sausage Rolls instead of We Built This City on a Rock and Roll. Or, of course, the sweet dreams are made of cheese rather than sweet dreams are made of these. And who can forget the popular Starbucks lovers conspiracy in Taylor Swift songs? I was thinking about this a few days ago during a run. I was listening to a song called Take My Hand by Dirty Honey, and I misheard the lyrics, take my hand, you'll understand I'm a sinner too. And what I heard was, take my hand, you'll understand I'm a salmon tooth. We laugh, but at one point or another, we all have probably misheard or missung a lyric. Our song remixes alter the meaning of the song, and often the song becomes incomprehensible because of the new lyric. What we hear, even when it's wrong, shapes what we sing. Well, today we're going to look at a story of three characters, one who listened to what others were saying. He heard the right lyrics, but he was misled and so made choices that brought him pain and distress. Another character who listened and listened with wisdom and yet was still placed in danger. And then the final character who rescued both the one who listened to the wrong wisdom and to the other who listened to the right wisdom. In all, we're going to explore the truth that who we listen to shapes who we are when our faith is tested and our resilience is challenged. As we jump into the story in Daniel 6, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this moment, this day, that we can sit in your presence and that we can hear from you in this familiar story. Lord, we know that you are a God who works in each of our lives individually as you work in our life and our community. And so as we sit in your presence, we just ask that you would speak to each of us. Lord, that these verses would reveal truths about who you are to us and reveal your heart for us right now, no matter where we find ourselves. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. The story we're diving into today is one that's probably pretty familiar. If you grew up in a church or you know the sort of top 10 stories of the Bible, this story found in Daniel 6 is probably in there. This chapter is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And yet when we focus only on Daniel, we miss a character who struggled, who feared, and who was ultimately rescued. That character is the king in chapter 6, King Darius. Well, today we're going to look at the stories of both Darius and Daniel, and also look at how God interacts in this story to understand how who we, sh- who we listen to shapes who we are, and how God interacts with us and rescues us when we choose to listen and be shaped by unwise counsel. All right, so Daniel and Darius... We meet King Darius in the beginning of chapter 6. Now, if you've been in the series with us, you know that Darius is a new king. Up to now, we've been discussing and exploring King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, between Daniel chapter 4 and 6, we find that King Nebuchadnezzar has died and his son takes over. 
Well, his son gets assassinated by his brother. It's classic sibling fun. This brother, who becomes king, is then later dethroned during a military takeover, and the general who takes over eventually dies. And then his son takes over. This son is also murdered because we love a theme, and a new king is placed on the throne. Now, this new king marries a daughter of King Nebuchadnezzar, and together they have a son whose name is Belshazzar. Now, we're going to hear about Belshazzar next week when Matt covers the chapter, but we're skipping ahead a little today. So, Belshazzar is the king. And then at the end of chapter 5 in Daniel, we read that Darius wins the kingship and Belshazzar is slain. So here we have Darius. He's a Mede-Persian king. We don't actually know the real name of Darius in Daniel. The name Darius is not an actual name of someone. Rather, it's a title of honor, like Caesar or Augustus, which names we see later in the Roman Empire. The name Darius derives from an old Persian word, and it means the royal one. So here in Daniel 6, we meet this new king, a new royal one. And before we even get into the action of the story, we can reflect on ways that this new king may relate to the central character of Daniel. Both men carry within them this outsider-foreigner experience, and we know that these types of experiences shape you. They give you connections points. They bond you in funny ways. My first year living in England, I didn't know any other Americans. It was all Brits and Irish people, a handful of European and some Africans, but no Americans. I met my first USA link in my second year and was overjoyed to have common points of connection. We talked about the Real Housewives and about how we missed a few silly things like American pancakes and peanut butter. We didn't know each other but we shared a common language around being with each other, and it bonded us. Darius and Daniel are linked by this understanding of foreignness. Both men are operating in seats of tremendous power in places they don't know. I imagine Darius must have leaned on Daniel to understand customs or calendar rhythms. Maybe he leaned on Daniel to understand colloquial terms or the way the sight traps organized things the way they did. Maybe they gossiped or reminisced about things they missed. Both men, foreign outsiders, ruling in a place they didn't know. And now, of course, Darius was ruling because of his military overtaking the kingdom, and Daniel was in his position because his people were defeated, so some slight differences. But both carried an outsider-insider experience that must have connected them, bonded them in some way. This connection is important because from it stems a relationship of trust and friendship. All right, but back to character one, Darius. Darius, the foreign king, starts the chapter of Daniel 6 by surrounding himself with trusted advisors and officials. One of these trusted men was Daniel, who was one of the three administrators who oversaw 120 satraps. Darius trusted these men around him. They counseled him and gave him wise advice, and Darius took them at their word. He's starting to set up his kingdom, to set up his rule, And so these men aren't just trusted advisors, they're helping him establish power and reign. Darius's actions in the beginning of chapter 6 automatically strike me as odd. They say that when new CEOs take over a company or when a new president walks into a White House or to a university, they often tend to reshape their cabinet and the top authorities. 
They bring in their own crowds, reshaping what it means to rule and reshaping the people who rule. But Darius doesn't do this. And we don't know why. We don't know if he was trying to respect the government already there or if he just had a blind faith in others. We could argue that Darius was probably a bit dumb, that he trusted people to continue to do what was right for a community they were already building. And Darius trusted the officials, and in many ways it reflects this idea that we are wired to trust. In a 2021 article, Roderick M. Kramer noted that trusting people is in our genes, and it's certainly in our brain. In fact, a study showed that trusting others lights up a part of our brain that is linked to the pleasure center, meaning that when we trust people, our brain rewards us and we feel good. And this segues into what we call authority bias. Darius trusted the authority figures who were already established in the empire. He listened with eagerness. But sometimes in our lives, listening rather than discerning can lead us into trouble. And here is how Darius found that to be true. The early verses in Daniel 6 continue, and this is what we read. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as the group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. King Darius listened and who he listened to shaped his policies and shaped what he did. And because he listened to unwise counsel, he put together laws that challenged his friendship. Darius was swayed, pushed to wrongdoings because he listened to people who were deceiving him. He listened, but he didn't discern. And because he listened to unwise counsel, his actions had consequences. Here's how the chapter continues. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Darius tried everything he could do to right the wrong. His friend, his comrade in foreignness, was in trouble, and it was a human face to the mistake he had made. His reaction is so human to me. I don't know about you, but when I know that when I sin or do something wrong, my anxious brain goes into overdrive, trying to correct what I just did. Of course, I'll pray about it and repent of it, but I can't help but try to fix it, try to make it right, to undo the wrong. And this is what Darius does. And yet, even though he was a king, even though he held all the power, sometimes it isn't enough. And so the chapter continues. 
Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. Who you listen to shapes who you are or what you do. And Darius was trapped. He listened to the wrong voices of Seda instead of discerning with God, and he was forced to face the outcome. And so the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. Darius here is locked in this promise, this law he created, a law created out of unwise counsel. And so he has to follow through with it. Darius is distressed when he has to take this action. And as Daniel is sitting in the darkness of the lion's cave, we read that the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he couldn't sleep. I've been reading this chapter a lot in preparation for this time together. And I've been struck by Darius's journey. Darius has all the wealth and power. He is king in arguably the most prosperous city. He's untouchable. And so he acts and he thinks and he creates a system in which he theorizes that everyone will be working for him or at least working for his good. And so rather than dissect or reflect on what people are telling him, he just takes their advice at face value. He listens to the wrong people and he creates this mess for himself. And it's not just a little mess. In the climax of the action, Darius can't sleep or eat or enjoy anything. He is stressed. Who he listened to shaped what he did, and because he listened to unwise things, he lived in a state of stress and worry. We have to focus on Daniel, and we will later on. I think a lot of us can relate to Darius, either through some experience in our past or in our current lives. I could give you examples, of course, of how we listen to others and how others define success, how our culture say we need to live or look or what we need to gain. I can give examples of how our parents' voices, no matter what age we are, shapes things in our brain. I can give examples of how expectations or popularity drive us. But we don't need examples because we can all fill in our own blanks on this. We all listen to things, to people, to opinions, and we get trapped like Darius. We live our lives listening to and shaping our actions around things that aren't from God. And it can cause us to define success in ways that leave us feeling empty, in ways that leave us feeling stressed, and certainly in ways that counter what God wants for us or what God is drawing us to. If who we are is shaped by what we listen to, it's easy to hear the lyrics wrong. As Darius paces in the blackness of a night, another character in this chapter is experiencing a different but probably equally scary evening. And that's the character of Daniel. He's our second character in this story. By the the time we find Daniel in chapter 6, he's getting up there in age. Most scholars would say he's around 80 to 85 years old. He has walked through wars and tribulations, seen the kings come and go, and yet he has served this foreign land well. Which is why when Darius enters the scene, Daniel is said to have distinguished himself and the king places Daniel as one of the three administrators who oversees not only the satraps, but also the important things for the kingdom. Yet when the new law comes into play, Daniel has a choice. And does he listen and follow the laws of the king or does he put himself in danger and follow his God? It would have been easy for Daniel to pray in secret or in the evening. 
It would have been easy to hide things to follow this law, and yet Daniel places God first. And I think that's challenging for us if we actually think about it. It's challenging for me. We listen and are pulled by a lot of factors in our lives, some of which are good things. And yet at times we miss that small whisper of God telling us to put God first. Telling us as new creation that God is the ruler of our lives, but Daniel doesn't miss it. One theologian notes that it was Daniel's prayer and fellowship with God that safeguarded Daniel from the corrupting influences of the Babylonian culture. And so why would Daniel move away from worshiping that God now? knowing that God had worked in his life for all those years. So Daniel listens to God. And so we see in this chapter Daniel praying. And we know the story, right? We just read it. The sea traps who laid the trap find Daniel praying. And so they bring Daniel to the king and the king has to honor the law he enacted. And so Daniel gets thrown into the den or the cave with lions. And we don't know Daniel's thoughts here. They aren't recorded. Was he afraid? Was he anxious? Was he steadfast knowing God would work? We don't know. Uh, In fact, for the first 21 verses in this chapter, as everyone is plotting and being thrown into a lion's den, Daniel never speaks. Daniel only speaks in the morning, after his night in the cave. In verse 21, we find that Daniel says this, May the king live forever, which is sort of the equivalent of God save the queen, and it's this nice little formal moment of recognition of Darius, who now stood outside the den. Daniel says, my God sent this angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. God has sent angels to shut the mouths of the lions. They haven't hurt me because I was found innocent or righteous in the sight of God. It's the only sentence Daniel says in this chapter, but it highlights this idea for us today. But Daniel listened to God and listened to this innate need to worship and commune with God, even when the noise, the chatter around him said not to. Now, listening to God didn't prevent Daniel from danger. It didn't prevent Daniel from being thrown into a den. But listening and relying on God kept Daniel from death. It kept him from harm. And it ultimately allowed Daniel to not only see God perform a miracle in his life, but it allowed Daniel's story to be a testimony of God's work and miracles to the king and to the kingdom and to us. Daniel listened and he was thrown into a den of lions for death, but his faith remained resilient and God answered. Gustavo Gutierrez's book on Job details how the story of Job mirrors this journey that Daniel follows in this chapter. In reflecting on the book of Job, Gutierrez writes that the theme of the book of Job is not precisely suffering, that impenetrable human mystery, but rather how to speak of God in the midst of suffering. Job, the central character in his book, is constantly faced with the question and opportunity, does he speak ill of God or does he speak well of God? Like Daniel, Job suffers throughout the chapters of his book. He may not be thrown into a den of lions, but his body is attacked, his wealth and prosperity is attacked, and most importantly, the people around him encourage him to speak ill against God, to turn against God, to rebuke God. Job sits in the suffering, sits in the isolation, But as Gutierrez writes, Job refuses to utter such a denial against God. 
Daniel and Job in their stories suffer pain and tragedy for no apparent reason and for no cause, and yet both root themselves in and to God. It makes me think of a verse that Jesus will later say. In John 16, Jesus tells those around him, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Daniel in this chapter is the character who suffers and yet who listens to and for God even in the midst of the suffering. Some of us may relate to the first character, the character of Darius, but some of us may find our connection point today in the character of Daniel. We find ourselves in the waves of life, tossed by the swell or held under by a big wave, and the idea of suffering is real for us. Daniel and Job encourage us to hold fast to God in those moments, even when there's a lack of clarity or confusion. Daniel's story is a tremendous expression of resilience and faith, and his resilience happens because he knows the third character in this story. The third character, who may be less obvious than the others, is the character of God. Every story we read in the Bible reveals a truth about God, a characteristic or idea of who God is and how we can relate to God, and Daniel 6 ends with this idea of of a reflection on God. After Daniel is rescued from the den, Darius throws the satraps and their wives and their children into the den and, well, they don't make it out alive. Darius' actions may be brutal, but he follows them up with a reflection on who God is. He says this, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heaven and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion. Darius' reflections are similar to King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 3, who praised God after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego survived the furnace. The book of Daniel does mirror chapters 3 and 6, so the king's praises of God make sense in a literary function. But the phrase, the praise of God here in chapter 6 also reveals insights into the character of God, both how this character is viewed for the people in the chapter and also how God interacts for us and with us today. Scholars unearth three ideas or concepts about God from Darius's reflection. The first is that we see that Daniel's God, our God, is alive and shows that he lives by the way he acts in history, responding to the needs of the people. This story in Daniel 6 highlights God's power and provision. Scholars also find that Darius understands that God's rule is eternal and never passes away, which for a king was a big thing to admit. And lastly, Darius's speech highlights how God miraculously delivers those who believe and worship him, how he performs wonderful things for those who listen and call on his name. And we see a God who works, a God who listens, and a God who delivers in this reflection of Darius. We see here a God who works, a God who listens, and a God who delivers in the reflection of Darius in chapter 6. So what do we learn or what can we reflect on from this chapter? Well, I think there are three formation points that help us move through this week. One we may relate to more than the other. Pulling from the three characters of chapter 6, we find that 
the first thing that is obvious. The one that we've been pointing to, it's this truth that who we listen to shapes who we are. And the adverse of that can be said too, because the characters also tell us that who we don't listen to also shapes us. The idea is this, there will be in our lives a lot of noise around us, people telling us things, culture telling us things, even religious people telling us things, and it's our responsibility to tune into the Holy Spirit to discern what we hear, listening for the small, still voice of the Lord who calls to us and moves us. So our challenge for this week is to reflect on who we listen to. In our process of discernment, we may find that, like Darius, we have things that we listen to with too much emphasis. Or maybe, like Daniel, we find that as we reflect, we see that we are listening to the right things, even if it's challenging. Friends, we are formed in our listening. And some of us have some work to do on that this week. The second thing I think that we can take away from this story and learn or reflect on is this story and this truth that darkness comes. Darius chose to listen to wrong counsel, and so he experienced this panic attack of fear and concern and stress, and some of us have been there. But Daniel also experiences a form of darkness in this story. He did everything right, and yet he was thrown into a den where a rock was rolled in front. I can only imagine the literal blackness of sitting in a cave without light. Both of the characters in this story found themselves in a night of darkness. It's a funny place to sit in, the place of darkness. I can't help but think of that scene in Batman in which Bane rises from the pit and gives a speech about how he was molded by, shaped by darkness. And if we were honest, some of us would say the same. If the part of sitting in a den or sitting in anxiety is what strikes you most today, maybe you find yourself being formed in a moment of darkness. And if you are there... I hope you uh, remember that the characters in the Bible face trials and that this brings you some form of comfort or understanding. We can't always give reason to why the darkness comes, but we can understand that it does come and that as we are formed in the cave, that this third truth brings us hope and resilience. The third truth, the most fun truth, is that we are formed in and through the deliverance of God. God being a God who delivers is one of my favorite characteristics of God that we see throughout the Bible. God delivering Moses and then the Israelites from slavery. God delivering Noah and his family. God delivering Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God delivering Ruth. God delivering Esther. God delivering Job. God delivering David. Jesus in a radical act of deliverance, taking on a cross. God delivering an early church and Acts and Paul and countless journeys and shipwrecks. The Bible unearths this characteristic of God delivering, and we see it here. God delivers Darius from the anxiety and the shame and the guilt of a law created with unwise counsel. God delivering Daniel from a pack of hungry lions. And because our God isn't defined by time, I believe that the God who delivered peace to Darius after an anxious night and the God who delivered Daniel from a den of starving lions is the God who sits with us here. Whether we're burdened by our own actions or if we're burdened by the actions of other, our God is a God who delivers. I mean, that deserves a shout of praise. We are formed in the hope and the knowledge that God is working and delivering us. 
and this truth and how we are formed and it helps us when our faith is tested and tried it helps us when we listen to the wrong things and when we make mistakes god's grace and deliverance forms us and it helps us when we find ourselves in a cave real or allegorical and it helps us in the waiting and the suffering and the darkness because god is a god who delivers and we find hope in that even if you feel like you've been burned by god like i have and probably some of us here god always delivers even when things outside of your control and when you're processing the negative impact it's had on you god delivers when those nights get rough god delivers may we be a people who carry that message out with us this week and may we be formed by god when our faith has to be resilient We've been looking at this book of Daniel and we've been reflecting on how the book in its entirety explores resilient faith. And that's exactly what we see in this chapter. In this chapter, we see a character who stumbles and fails. We see a character who is faithful and focused. Both learn what it means to be resilient when the night, get, when the night gets dark and both learn uh, how who they listen to shapes who they are and how they stay resilient as they wait for God's deliverance. Friends, may these characters fill your heart and your brain this week as you walk with God. And if you're looking for more points of reflection or things you can do if your faith is like Darius or like Daniel, we have a study guide online every week. I encourage you to download it this week. Think through some of the questions. Think through some of the next steps. Let's be defined in and through our God who delivers Let's walk like Darius and Daniel did through chapter 6 and be a people of resilient faith. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.